Hello, SRU. How's it going, everyone? My name is Jeremy Lynch, and I'm host of the podcast where we get to talk about all things going on in our rock community. I am joined, as always, by producer and really the only person with actual credentials for doing podcasts, Dr. Nick Artman and SRU communication specialist, Justin Zackel. Gentlemen, a pleasure as always. Hey, afternoon, afternoon, or whatever time it is. The, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's episode, mostly because I need to learn what not to do. You know, I've shared uh, shared a lot about my kids on this podcast before, and we're we're struggling a little bit with my oldest son, who's in first grade. Uh, I always tell the story how he's the only one in his preschool to have ever been suspended from preschool. So uh, I got a lot of work to do as a parent. So I'm pretty pumped about today's episode. Listen, I will to make you feel a little bit better. I went to Catholic school when I was in kindergarten. At the end of kindergarten, they went to my parents and were like, yeah, maybe public school is a good option. <laughs> I mean, that broke too many rulers, huh? So you're not alone now. <laughs> and Justin, you, you're, you know, your yeah, little one's a little fr- too I'm in little. the first year of being a parent. I need all the help I can get, but uh, everyone tells me, uh, you know, uh, uh, just wait till the, wait till well, I have a girl. So, you know, wait till she's in high school, wait till she's in high school or heck in, in, in instances, wait till she's in college. I can't imagine what, uh, you know, what, what's ahead of me, but uh, I am definitely not a helicopter parent uh, when it comes to, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, being a parent of a, of a, of an infant that's in, uh, that's in daycare. So <laughs> yeah, she ain't, yeah, she, yeah, she ain't moving too far yet. You don't have to power up that helicopter. You can kind of <laughs> yeah. just lay next to her. <laughs> My daughter turns 13 and today she gets her first cell phone. So Ooh. it's a big day in our house. Yeah. That we hurts. held off. She is the last person in her grade to have a cell phone. So I feel like we've won there, but today's, today's the day. There you go. Good luck, my friend. Thank you. We're going to need it. Although her, she is cursed because both of her parents are educators and I have <laughs> background in clinical mental health and a whole bunch of things that, yeah, she's not, she doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> hey, anyway. I can, uh, you know, as, as the communication professional, I could probably find some apps to help you to oversight, you know, to help you helicopter if you need it. Oh, there's plenty of them out there. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Our guest today is Dr. John Rindy, or as many people know him, the bald career guy. Dr. Rindy is the assistant vice president for career and academic progress at SRU, and he's been with the university for over 11 years. He has his bachelor's degree in environmental science and a master's degree in public health from Youngstown State University and his doctorate in educational leadership and management from Capella. If you haven't guessed yet, today John is joining us to talk about helicopter parents, but maybe not in the way you initially think of the phrase. And with that, we bring you Dr. John Rindy. John, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me today. I'm really excited to to join you here on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we were joking and, and kind of bantering back and forth there at the beginning, but when Justin reached out, it's like, hey, we're going to Let's interview John Rindy. He just had this article in the Post-Gazette about helicopter parenting. I was like, yes. I was like, but my initial reaction was, really? This is what, this is the topic we're going to talk about, right? I mean, as a, as a former public educator, as someone who has worked with college students in a, in a therapy setting and, you know, a college educator, 
Yeah, this term really hits home with me. I, I'm sure we can all share stories of helicopter parents and over parenting and whatever phrase we want. But I don't know, John, what's we're interested to get your take on it. Well, you got a 13 year old. So that first of all means, you know, very little now and she knows everything, right? <laughs> Expert. It only gets, it only gets worse for a while, but then it gets better. So, somehow around mid twenties, you start to know stuff again. So I've, so I've determined with both my kids and I have two kids. My son, Luke is going to be 30 this year and he lives down in Miami, Florida. And my daughter, uh, Jenna is, uh, oh gosh, she's going to be mad at me, 28. And, uh, she just turned 28 and she's actually down visiting them right now in Miami, Florida, but uh, both are slippery rock alumni. And let me tell you. When they go to the school where you work, it's very hard not to helicopter them. But I didn't see that much of them until they needed money. Of course. <laughs> Funny how that works, huh? <laughs> yes. When you run out of flex, suddenly dad becomes very important. <laughs> no, we're not quite there yet, but the teenage thing is just, we're just getting warmed up. So yeah, I'll, I'm going to hold you to that 20 something thing. All right. Yes. So I'm not sure if inspiration is is quite the right word, but what prompted you to write this piece? Well, I was really always offended by the idea that that we immediately disparage helicopter parents. Uh, sure, parents make some bad choices on occasion. You know, showing up at job interviews, showing up at job fairs, and yes, I've seen both. Yes, I've had to walk parents out of job fairs. I'll never forget the guy who came with his daughter to the Westpac's job fair, which is a, a regional job fair we do with about 50 other colleges and universities. And I said, sir, sorry, you can't come in here with your daughter. He said, well, I'm going to negotiate for her. And I said, uh, sir, there are no negotiations. This is just a career expo. Nobody's going to be interviewing here today. So uh, it happened. So a couple people came in with their their babies and you know uh very interesting uh very interesting paradigm but anyway so i was always bothered by the fact that we immediately disparage helicopter parents because they have what they have the students best interest in mind so my my question always has been why don't we harness that power why don't we harness that power and redirect it in a good way and that's sort of what formed the basis for for my article yeah you're right because initially we hear that phrase especially now and we immediately want to vilify a parent for being a helicopter parent. But there is, there is a genuine place of I'm doing this out of concern. I think this is what my child needs. I think I am being protective. Uh, and, but sometimes it just backfires. I remember sitting in my office and a parent calling me, or the parent of a college student calling me and asking about their child's grade. And I was like, what? I'm like, has your child like, yeah, I was, I was shocked. I was like, this person is 20 years old, right? Like they should be having this conversation themselves. So yeah, it can go a little sideways. So, you know, what is your, what's your recommendation? How do we take these, this passion, I guess, for helping your child and turn it into something productive? Well, one thing that I've always said here at The Rock, and we, we've done an increasingly better and better job at that. And that is taking advantage of those early times that we have with the families, you know, improving things we do at orientation, making sure we're actually not just getting them excited about coming to the institution, but in fact, giving them things, exposing them to different areas of the university where, first of all, they may not have known about, particularly if they're first generation students, but moreover, 
using areas of the campus and using resources that they don't see themselves using. For example, right outside of my office down in, in Bailey Library, two of them that come by uh, every day. And um, one of the things they talk about when they stop outside the Center for Career and Academic Progress area is the tutoring area. And um, I just sit when, when I sit in on those those little tours. Sometimes I'll go out and speak to the families when I hear it coming by. Long story short, I, I hear them talk about the tutoring center, and I look across the eyes of all of these students taking the tour, and I can just read the expression. Oh well, tutoring is for those kind of students. I'll never need tutoring. Well, you're coming to a rigorous institution. Slippery Rock is a rigor, rigorous institution with a fairly low acceptance rate for a regional comprehensive institution, and. Our tutoring is a little different here. Our tutoring sees a lot of people that are getting Bs that would like to get As. You know, they're just not used to getting Bs and Cs for the first time. Right. It's not for people that are just necessarily failing out of college. So we really have to try to redefine that. So it's in those early times, the first engagement with the institution, the tours, orientation, admitted students day, where we can make a big impact in what in students' futures, but also the choices that their parents make. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things I tell my students all the time is that one, you're paying for these services, right? Like the the writing center, the tutoring center, all these support services that we have available on campus, you're paying for those. This part of your tuition is part of your fees. Take advantage of every opportunity that you can. Student will come to me and, you know, can you take a look at my resume? Have you had the career center? Take a look at your resume first because they're really good at writing, helping students visualize and craft you know, discipline specific resume. Like, oh, they do that? Yes, they do. You should go check them out, right? So I'm glad, right? Because it's not just for those students that we think need, you know, a student that has a D in a class. There are some majors that GPA really matters. Education is a major where your GPA really matters. You have to have a 3.0. You don't have a 3.0, you don't get your license at the end of, you know, your at graduation. So there is a big difference between that C and that B. Well, you could you could borrow my phrase, uh, Dr. Lynch. You could borrow my phrase, and it goes something like this: not using all of these resources, whether it's the alumni association or 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 our office of disability services, career education development, uh, tutoring, success coaching, is like paying your money at window one and then driving off without your food. That's what it is, because technically, and this is this is probably one of the first points in helicopter parenting is to get parents to understand that we're not a traditional business where you can pay money and walk out with your degree. We are much more like a subscription service. You if you if you bump up your dish TV to the two hundred dollar package from the one hundred and twenty five dollar package, but you never turn on your TV that month. Did you get anything out of it? So what you're doing is you're, you're subscribing to all of the things that are SRU from community engaged learning to global engagement to distinguished scholarships and fellowships. And if you don't take advantage of it, it's, again, it's like paying your money at window one, driving off with your, without your food. Moreover, you're paying the subscription to all this stuff to sit in your dorm room and play video games or whatever you're doing, whatever you do to spend, spend your time. And so uh, I get a lot of head nods from parents when they realize, boy, you're, you're kind of right. I thought, our kids were coming here just to study. So now you're starting to get parents on board with with recommending that their students pursue things outside of the classroom that are going to be important, not only during their time here, but ultimately important in building skills for life after SRU. And so how do you strike that balance then with parents where 
you want them to advocate for their child and you want them to recommend that their that their student goes and participates in clubs and organizations and is actively involved outside the classroom and is taking advantage but without hourly text messages and pings as reminders. <laughs> well, I think you 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 integrate a little bit of humor into it. We get parents to laugh at themselves by bringing those things up, but moreover, we give them we give them lists, we give them checklists. What uh, thinking of Simon Sinek's book? Start with what? Start with why? So I can't just give them a, a list on the on a PowerPoint slide and say, oh, you know, introduce them to the people you know. I have to say because someday they're going to need that network. So always start with why. Uh, so we do provide lists. Typically, when we're speaking at orientation, most of the offices who present at orientation try to give them information, and then here is something you can do to help parents. And that's what what I refer to as harnessing the power of home. We've got tremendous power locked up in parents' influence on their students, and uh, they they want the same thing we do. We we all want them to do well in school, graduate, and get a job. Let's just be honest. That's what we want. And so providing parents with sensible lists of ways they can get involved in their kid's life in positive and productive ways is the best way to do that. And every visit, and we need to do that with every visit. So if they come for the tour, they need to get some of it then. And admissions may make sure that they do. They come to Admitted Students Day. We need to give them something different, something a little different, but another list of things to do. And, um, you know, increasingly, it, one, one thing I'll say I was looking at some some analytics on first seminar and 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 around 90% of our freshman students take first seminar. Do you know and and this is what I said at orientation this year, do you know that students who earn a C or lower in first seminar are around 90% likely to progress to the next semester but only 33.4% likely to graduate? Mm. Because that's symptomatic of what? Not showing up for class and not doing your work because that's the only way you get a C in first seminar. Right. I mentioned I mentioned that this year to parents and to students, and I'm getting feedback because we oversee first in the Center for Career and Academic Progress. I'm getting feedback that attendance in first has been better than it has been in recent years. So students are taking that a little more seriously. Hopefully, they're handing in their work as well. Uh, and so parents know that. They were equipped. They were armed with that information, and they could be prodding their, their students. And are you going to that class that that bald guy was talking about? So it's it's starting with why, throwing in a little humor, the bald career guy stuff, getting people laughing at themselves and, and some of the things they're prone to doing, and uh, and then and then empowering them to make good decisions, productive decisions in terms of their their students' future. Yeah. So what are some of those productive decisions? Right. So you mentioned the first seminar and the class attendance, which. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> Again, I tell my students all the time, you're paying for this education. You might as well go to class and get it, right? Because you're paying for it. We did, uh, one of my students came in one day and they did a cost per hour of class based on their tuition. Beautiful. And they, whatever they, they said to the peers, like, if you don't show up, you might as well just like light a hundred dollar bill on fire or something like that. It was perfect. It was a great analogy. And some of them were like, oh, I thought of it. Anyway, so what are some of those productive things? So maybe I guess... What are some of the challenges that you see our students have, or maybe more recently, what has changed in the last couple of years that maybe is a greater challenge now than before, and how can parents be productive, positive influence? Right. Well, I think some of the... So first of all, you're right. Uh, class attendance is the number one reason students end up not 
not uh, completing their degree program period having that freedom and then and making the choice of not going to class eventually and I, I would have been guilty my freshman year as well i ended up changing my major to something that excited me that would be the second thing i mean if, if a student's not doing well it's either they're not managing their time properly or they simply don't like what they're studying they, they don't see an end game so get them to the career office who can who's filled you know in our office is filled with professionals who can help them look at the labor market we're labor market experts we have uh, powerful labor market tools that can help students look at that some these are things that parents will not have access to and students don't have access uh, to these as, as well that would be another another thing now with the with the post-covid period another thing that we see is a kind of a change in students ability to communicate and resolve issues particularly roommate issues and so what do you have you've got residence life you've got our community assistance graduate residence directors you've got all of your housing people who can help those students forge contracts rather than turning parent to parent arguing over, hey, your kid's making my kids stay up till two in the morning. How about instead coaching your student to go to their community assistant to forge a housing contract between the two students to resolve that dispute? Uh, you know, uh, everybody wants to change roommates when those things happen. But gentlemen, you know that we don't get to choose who we work with, right? And 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 someday these students, as they graduate, are going to have to work with people they don't get along with. They can't call their parents at that point in time. And uh, making that point with parents is important. And I will say, even President Barry, uh, one of his famous lines, he says, is, is uh, you know, Slippery Rock is a bureaucracy. We're a friendly bureaucracy, but we're still a bureaucracy. Your student will run up against, against things that ruffle their feathers. I'm asking you. Don't call us. Don't call us. Instead, coach your student on the things you learn here in orientation, on the things you learn here during Admitted Students Day, the resources that you are being made known that are available, and, and let them help help them to solve the problem themselves. Because the experts are here. Always go to the experts. And, and uh, I think it's great to hear a president saying that. That's a brave yeah. thing to say. For sure. And uh, John, I know you're a big sports fan, so you'll appreciate the I, the coaching analogy, right? I mean, when you frame it to parents that way, imagine yourself being your child's or your student's coach, right? A coach isn't going to go onto the field and play the game for the students, right? Or for the players. They are going to help them. They are going to teach them. They are going to make adjustments and help them to overcome adversity when they face it in a game or a match or whatever you're doing. But you're not going to just go out there and tackle the guy, right? For them, that, that defeats the purpose of the game. So I think that coaching mindset is one that we can leverage with a lot of parents to get them to understand, like, I love the fact that you're involved. We need parental involvement. It is not one of the number one predictors of success in K-12 education, and it holds true for a lot of life. But there's a tipping point where it becomes counterproductive not only to their education but to their mental health and overall well-being when you can overdo it and not let your child develop those resilient skills and you know those things that they're going to need when they end up running into a roommate conflict 
Right. And I would, uh, I would say there's another l- level of coaching that we have to be concerned about. And that's the coach that doesn't stop screaming from the sideline. <laughs> okay. You got the coach who comes onto the field and I officiated football for 20 years. So, you know, that's why coaches now have a get back coach to tell that remind the coaches right. to get back so they don't get penalized for walking on the field. I'm talking football for those that aren't aware of what I'm talking about. And, but I officiated football for many, many years and, um, and, you know, to have that coach chirping, I was a headlinesman, so I was right along the coach in, in, in most of the games I officiated. And to have that coach that just doesn't want to give up the fact that you've had all this time to prepare those students. This is their time to shine. Screaming from the sideline is not the time to prepare them. Besides that, if you've ever been a player on a field, you don't hear the coach anyway. You don't hear a thing. You don't hear a thing. And then there's the parents from the stands screaming and yelling as if they're going to coach the kids to do something other than what the coach has taught them. It's too late once the student walks onto the field, right? The student athlete walks onto the field. It's too late. We've had a week to train them for this game. And the same thing here. We've had 18 years to prepare prepare the student. And one might say, you know, if you're screaming and yelling now, why didn't you take care of all of this earlier? So let's take all that energy and harness it in a good, positive way. And that, and that's what I'm talking about, harnessing the power of home and turning people into good, productive helicopter parents. If you're going to hover, make sure you're doing things that are, that are positive and productive. So what is your number one takeaway? You want parents to, anytime they have a conversation with you, what's, if, if you could just have them really understand one concept, what is it? First of all, Pause and remember there's probably an expert for that, for that issue already. If the student is struggling, we know here at the rock, we've got student support. We've got disability services. We've got success coaching, peer academic coaching, tutoring. I always tell students, look at all these people we've surrounded you with. It's almost impossible to fail, but you've got to do your, you've got to do your part. I think that's the second thing. Remind it, remembering that the student has to do their part. We are a subscription service. They've got to turn on the TV. If it's a, if, if it's a direct TV subscription, you got to turn on the TV to get the most out of it. Uh, but uh, remembering that there's always an expert is, is, is so important. I think also having faith in the institution that you've chosen. I mean, you've chosen us for a reason, not just because it felt good here, but because a lot of the things we said inspired confidence, that our faculty have inspired confidence and that our staff have inspired confidence. And honestly, having been here, you know, going on 12 years, I'm pretty confident in the people I work with. And so as we present to parents, we have to, uh, we really have to express that confidence in the people we work with. And I think we do a great job of that here. Yeah, it is impressive the amount of support services that we have. Now, is there room for improvement? There's always room for improvement no matter where you're at or no matter what you do. But for an institution our size, for what we have, our students do have someone to turn to. You know, well, remember that that if a student leaves college, it's for one of two reasons. It really boils down to one of two reasons, an institutional barrier or a personal barrier. We should know our institutional barriers and constant, constantly be working to to ameliorate those those institutional barriers. But higher education is is starting to tend in the direction of trying to take care of personal issues as well. And so there's this big question, particularly in student affairs, is how far do you go? How right. much staff do you need to take care of personal barriers as well? So, uh, but do I think that's an important thing to keep in mind? What what is a university becoming? What do we need to become? Um, and what do we express to parents along the lines of? To what level can we provide ser- effective services to students? Reasonable, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's probably a whole separate podcast. Just right. that. 
Just that right. topic, right? And I'm there. probably not the guy for that one. <laughs> That's a Dave Wilmus question. Yeah, there you go. All right. So maybe the flip side of this coin then is what do you, what do you say to you to the students? So you you come across or you come in contact with a lot of first year students, whether it's through your staff in first seminar in the career center and student support. It's a wide umbrella, right? So what is that advice to first year students who maybe have a parent who has done a lot for them over the past 18 years? Well, first of all, students need to know their why. Why are you here? Are you here to please a parent? Are you here to become a physical therapist? Are you here because education is one of your top values? Because you're not going to walk across our stage, and I'm not going to read your name, if you don't value education. You know, for some, it may be faith, self, family, and then learning and education has to be at the top. It has to be above all the recreational things that we want to do. So I talked to students about that. We did an exercise this year. We had about a 90-minute session with all the students. Another major change we made to orientation where students wrote letters to themselves. They had to identify the why. We had them do something called a five whys deep. So why are you here? Well, why is that important? Well, why is that important? Well, why is that? And they had to go five whys deep to find the root of why they're actually here. And they identified the why, the the what, what's going to be important in their first semester, and the how, what resources are you going to use to make sure that you meet the what. But what's interesting is just about last week, we returned those letters to our freshman students. They got them back in the campus mail, and they uh, they can see whether they kept the promise to themselves. So telling students to understand their why is first and, and, and primarily important. Second of all, we did, uh, and some of you may have even had, uh, some of the faculty may have even had the success coaches administer the Lassie, the learning and study strategies inventory in their class. Something we discovered about our students. Do you know that on average, Slipper Rock students score in the 37th percentile for what's called UAR, using academic resources? Our students have a very low propensity to use academic resources. I mean, lower than national, it's considerably lower than national average. Mm. And that stems from two things. And I, I try to make students aware of it. First of all, the Western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio attitude that you just do it yourself. You don't need anybody. Suck it up. And the other reason is we admit high achieving students here and they've never had to use those kind of resources. So they don't see themselves using those resources. And that's really what feeds into it here. So those are two things. uh, Self-awareness, academic self-regulation, can really change the trajectory for students being self-aware and understanding there's no shame. There's no shame in, in, in asking for help and there's no pride in doing it alone. That's right. Yeah. I, my message to, I teach a section of first seminar and my message to the first seminar group, probably the third week of the semester was, Hey, look, if you have, if you're struggling in a class, if you're not doing well, please come tell me now come tell me in week six, because I can help you in week six. I can help you find the resources. I can help you get tutoring. I can help you change your schedule. I can help you do all those things in week six. You come to me in week 16, I can't help you anymore. Like it's over. You're going to, you potentially fail a course or have to withdraw at the end. And that has really significant repercussions. And I think a lot of students were just like, whoa, oh, okay. Ask, please. I would rather, I would much rather you come to me and say, Hey, I am bombing this class because I didn't go for the first three weeks. Okay, great. Thanks for admitting it. Now we got to let's problem solve this. But can't do that if 
you show up to, you know, January and be like, oh yeah, by the way, that life science class I took, yeah, I failed it. Oh, okay. Well, now doing it again. <laughs> I'll back you up on that. We, uh, we, we have secretaries in the departments do outreach calls for students, non-attendance early in the semester, uh, low midterm grades, uh, you know, mid-semester. And then uh, why aren't you registered around registration period, you know, for students who should be registered. And uh, we've stopped doing the midterm outreach because statistically we found out that having the secretaries call students, even when the student answers the phone or returns the call, there's no statistically significant change in their grade for midterm. So there is a point, there is a point where uh, it's, it is in indeed too late it's too late to, to change the trajectory of a semester and uh, that really handicaps a faculty member and it breaks their heart knowing there's very little they can do for a student and that's why we've kind of changed what we're doing we're using some predictive analytics to find students maybe who are not doing so well earlier in the semester and we're sending them some nudges by text and, and uh, email recommending they get uh, some support from success coaches and tutoring earlier on so uh, we're seeing how that works and see if we get a little bit more effective outcomes from 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 that. So yeah, there definitely comes a time in a semester where students have uh, surpassed the amount of time where they could have actually done something to to fix the situation. Yeah, and again, like you said, that's why we encourage just be okay with the fact that maybe it didn't go so well, or this isn't for you, or oops. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I got a college transcript that proves that. <laughs> yeah, trust me. You and me both. Dr. Yeah, Ivan as well. <laughs> that's been a reoccurring theme on this podcast. I'll, I'll join you both on that one as well. I, I yeah. keep my college transcript here in my office just to show students. And they, they students look at it and say, Dr. Rindy, look at all those Fs. And, and yeah, so life was not over. Life was not over. That is a dysfunctional belief uh, that we uh, actually talk about a lot in our life design sessions with students here in the career office. It's a dysfunctional belief that, you know, everything's over if you change majors. Everything's over if you're no longer going to be a physician assistant. Everything's my life is over if I got an F in a class for the first time. Uh, no, it's not. It's not. It, you never fail. You just learn, and and it's so important to turn those moments into learning moments. And that's a hard that's a hard lesson for a lot of individuals. <laughs> really is, especially if you're a super high achieving student. That's right. Is used and, to doing well, or you're the parent of a super high achieving student. Absolutely, I agree. Bringing that back home. Well, John, we end this podcast with three questions. The first one is always. What is your best SRU memory? Okay, my best SRU memory was probably the first orientation that I got to speak at. Um, you know, I, 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 people say I bring a slightly different perspective, perspective <laughs> to public speaking. I always say the university holds its breath when I speak, but uh, to walk off that stage and have uh, my supervisor, Mandy Yale, saying, wow, you know, uh, we've never heard anything like this before. <laughs> this is going to be very popular with with parents. That was really exciting. I knew that uh, coming from my time at Teal College and then coming to Slipper Rock was a good choice. Nice. Well, you mentioned it earlier, but if anyone's ever attended an SRU graduation, you know that John is one of the lucky people that gets to announce students as they walk across the stage, receive their diploma, shake the president's hand. What is the hardest or maybe most memorable name that you had to pronounce? 
Oh my gosh, that is a really hard one to to answer. Uh, I can't remember the name, but uh, there was certainly one of our, you know, one or two of our international students who came through that, uh, well, you know, just, just to preface this, Dr. Wilmus and I do go through the line and we write phonetics on all the cards, but uh, a couple of students, and, and these are students I actually knew as well, but I could never pronounce their names. I just kind of butchered it. So it's hard to remember the names at this point in time, but, uh, but you know, you always get the parent in the, in the audience who corrects you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm reading 800 names. You've got to be forgiving. <laughs> yeah. I'm sat in graduation and I sit there and I, and I look at you and David and I go, Oh man, that's a tough gig. <laughs> it pays so, it pays so well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a labor of love only. <laughs> well, John, you are very active on social media. Anyone that follows you will know Twitter. You are at the ball or Twitter at bald career guy. That's right. Uh, any other social media you want to share? No, just that's where I mostly spend my time still on Twitter. You know, we were a Twitter school for many, many years and we're slowly migrating to Instagram. And I am more slowly migrate. I do have an Instagram, but I'm more slowly <laughs> migrating to Instagram. <laughs> what Twitter holdout. Perfect. Well, well John, <laughs> thanks for joining us. I know you have a million things going on this time of year. So we appreciate your time and we appreciate your perspective on how to coach parents to have their students be most successful. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. Had a good time today. All right, SRU. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU Podcast Network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello SRU wherever you get your podcasts.